Good morning. Peace be with you. Amen. I had entered uh, college and I thought I was going to follow in my parents' footsteps in social work, uh, become a psychologist or a counselor, but the Lord had gotten a hold of me while at Eastern Illinois University. And he started to uh, challenge some of my assumptions of what my future was going to be. I was a semester away from graduating, and I had no clue what he wanted me to do. And I was really seeking after the Lord, really hard. I was praying and praying. Uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship is a parachurch organization, and they put on a missions conference about three, uh, once every three years, and they were pressing in. Uh, I was pressing and I went to this missions conference and I was saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I was meeting with mission teams um, from uh, uh, Native American Indian missions to around the world. I was praying, uh, reflecting, and still I was saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Pressing in, pressing in. I have to say in that, uh, that missions conference, I think there was about 17,000 students that were gathered there. And I was meeting the Lord. I was experiencing God again and again. There were some phenomenal preachers and teachers there that were sharing the heart of the Father. And I was experiencing Him there. Uh, the worship was very dynamic. And, and the prayer times were very dynamic. And I was experiencing Him there. But I'd have to say my most profound experience came at the very end of the missions conference. They had decided that, that we would end the conference with communion, which as you can imagine, 17,000 students, that would be somewhat tricky, right? And I still remember as clear as bell, I, I was in the nosebleed section, I was way up there in the, in the stadium, and I, I, they, they did the words of institution, and I've been seeking the Lord, and I begin to see the swirling line of the servants that they were fanning out to the, um, to the stadium. And in that moment, not quite sure the best words to describe it, all I can say is that the presence of the Lord fell on me in this profound way. And I began to cry, and then I began to weep. And I began to hear this impression of the Lord saying, this good news, this, this gospel, my love, my sacrifice that you've been hearing and reflecting and praying about, Eric, I want you to tell others of this good news. Now I know what was taking place, Scripture would call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was baptized with water at age 18. I'd given my life to Christ. At age 21, the Spirit fell on me, and little did I know that he was calling me to full-time ministry for the rest of my life in that moment. It's probably a good thing he didn't share that. That would have been overwhelming for me at that moment. But in this profound way, he fell, and I experienced him, and I will never forget that experience of his presence, of his anointing, and of his power. In our series, we've been talking about, we're, we're going to have a, a longer series, we've been talking about the presence of the Father, the power of the Spirit, 
and the peace of Christ. And we've been spending the last couple of weeks talking about the presence of the Father, seeing a difference that Scripture recognizes. Yes, God is present everywhere. He is omnipresent. But there's this concept, this mystery in Scripture that we see that there's also this manifest presence of the one true living God that we can experience. We saw in the Old Testament, Moses, right in the beginning, in Exodus, that this manifest presence of God was so important to Moses that Moses said, we will not go on, we will not continue to the promised land unless your presence goes with us. Moses said that what else will distinguish us your people, from the rest of the peoples on the face of this earth, if it's not your presence. And so we saw this, this value that, that this was part of their identity and should be a part of our identity. This manifest presence of God should be part of what sets us apart from the rest of the world, from all the other people, this idea of God filling us with his presence. Last week we also talked about why do you come to church? What are you looking for for church? And, and we shared a little bit how our predominant lens that we see is preference. But I argued that yes, preference is important. But really what should trump a lens of preference is the lens of presence. The idea that we aren't coming just to, to hear more about good, good things, not just to kind of rally and say, yeah, let's go, or even to hear important things about Christ or the sermon, but really the theology of presence would really say the most important reason, the overriding reason that we should gather together as a people of God is to experience Christ to experience him in songs of worship, to experience him in his word preached and revealed, to experience him in the sacraments that we celebrate, communion and baptism. That's what I was experiencing at the mission conference, him in the sacrament right there. It's not that I was just simply learning deeper truths about who he was, but I could feel his presence within me. And I wanted to share two more ideas of how we experience Christ as the gathered people. Remember, just a little bit of history is that his presence was experienced in the tent of meetings, the pillar of fire, and the, the pillar of the cloud. And then the tent of meetings became the tabernacle. The tabernacle was in the middle of God's people. God's presence, his manifest presence, rests there. And then the tabernacle eventually moved into an established place, the temple of God. And his presence, that's what Mark, he said, that my, my ears, my eyes will be in this place. I will hear you in that place. You will be known by my presence in the temple. Yet the temple was destroyed, so we have no manifest presence today, right? Wrong. What's the manifest presence? Right here. Individually, yes, we individually are a temple of the Holy Spirit, Scripture teaches. But also in this dynamic way, in this gathered moment, 
the Spirit of God is within and among. That his presence is here in this unique way. Are you listening for his voice? Are you seeking his presence in this very moment that in a dynamic way, there's a spiritual element that right now, the Father is enthroned the center of the universe with Christ Jesus at the right hand, with the heavenly host, angels, and the saints surrounding him. And as we lift our hearts and souls, we join in that spiritual dynamic. You all thought you were just singing songs. And there's so much more. Now I want to talk two more ways we experience Christ's presence as a gathered community, as a church. Tent of meetings, tabernacle, um, temple, and then church. And then I want to talk about how God's desire is not just that you store and are jealous for his presence on your own, but his idea in a profound way is that you would be bearers of presence that you would bring his presence, his grace, his goodness, his kindness, his love, you would fill up with that and then it would be poured out as you leave this place, okay? Real quickly, there's a, a fascinating scripture that I want to add to this idea of worship and what we experience here, and it's found in... Um, in Romans chapter 12, where Paul says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What does that mean? What is... What's Paul talking about there? In the Old Testament, they would bring a sacrifice. They would bring animals or a, um, a grain offering, and it was for their own sin. At great cost, oftentimes, to the, to the worshipers that would come to the temple, they would bring all these sacrifices, and they would give it to the Lord and the priests, and that was part of their ritual of worship and faith. Christ Jesus was our ultimate sacrifice. He died on the cross for our sins. Now he's sat down at the right hand of the Father. So one could argue that we no longer need to bring any sacrifice to our worship services. Paul is arguing differently. He's saying you don't need to bring a sacrifice for your sin. That's been covered. Jesus has taken care of that. But you are called to bring a sacrifice, a part of who you are, your, your life, your heart, your energy, your focus, that the Lord is inviting you still to sacrifice some of who you are in love and devotion to the Lord. Let me explain it this way. A number of months ago, I was praying for our services. And I was praying and I was struck 
by an impression from the Lord that I knew it was from the Holy Spirit because it was in a different direction that I was praying. It was kind of a, out of the blue. I was praying that, that for you all, I was praying that he, he would draw us, that we would be, be hungry, that we would long to be in your pre- his presence. Where I was praying that, and all of a sudden, there was this impression that struck me, and it, was, it felt like I, I could feel the Father's delight in this phrase. It wasn't condemning. It wasn't even convicting. Sometimes he'll convict me. But it wasn't that at all. There was just this delight. And you know what I felt like he was saying? He said, Eric, what are you bringing me this morning? What are you bringing me this morning? And I was so thankful that I had my, my tithe check in my back pocket because that was my first thought. Yes, I, I've got something there. And then I began to realize, wow, is it true, Father? Are, are you, is part of what's happening that you have this heart of delight for what your children are bringing to you this morning, that that is part of the, the interchange that he's inviting, that he's wanting us to bring to him out of love and affection, not duty and not controlling and not calculating, but, but really in, in this joyful expression that he is looking forward to what we are bringing him this morning. I'm ashamed to say that had never crossed my mind. Before. That's another reason why I know is the Holy Spirit. And then I began to realize that yes, our, our, our treasure, that's part of our sacrifice. That's part of what we should give. But there was so much more. What's the heart that I'm bringing this morning? Is it a heart that's longing for connection with Him? Is it a heart that has bitterness and anger, and I'm pretty upset? Is it a distracted heart? Is, am I a little complainy and whiny this morning as I enter worship? What's that heart that I'm bringing to the Lord? Is it one of love? I was thinking, how often do we come and we don't love others well. That there's conflict. Even on Sunday morning, we're yelling at our kids as we're driving to church. What's the heart? What's the love? Am I ready to bring that to him? Deacons are going to shoot me for saying this, but this is why I don't like to give online. Now, give online if you can't come. Yes, okay. But there's something about what I bring that I want to put in the, in the basket as part of my sacrifice. There's something about me as I worship that I want to bring to the Lord and give to Him a heart of adoration. 
the, when I preach, but when I listen to other people preach, there's something that I want to bring, not a heart of distraction, not a heart of judgment, not of a heart of evaluation of how good is he doing or she doing, but I want to bring that heart of, Lord, I'm listening to your voice. And so at the end of that day, I said, Lord, I brought you my best. Thank you for asking me that question. Now I'm trying to get better at what I bring every Sunday morning to the Lord. Not what I bring to you, but really what I bring to the Lord in my heart. We meet and experience Christ in our sacrifice as well in our giving as well. Yes, do we meet him in the word of God? Absolutely. In the sacraments, of course. In prayer and worship, yes. But I, I believe that he wants us to meet him in our sacrifice. Our time, treasure, talent, whatever you see, our heart, our attitude. He wants to meet us in what we're giving to him on a Sunday morning. Now, Related to that scripture is also what I would say is we experience his presence not only in sacrifice, but intimately connected with that is his service. Before Jesus was re resurrected, he was saying, I'm going to send you. And I'm going to, just as I, I love this passage of scripture, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then look what he does. This is before Pentecost. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Why would he do that? Because as we go and serve this broken world, he's wanting us to experience his presence, his power, his anointing. And then as we go, as he sends us, others experience his presence through us. As we serve, as we give, as we sacrifice, Friends, if, if you don't experience God when you serve, do you know he's wanting you to experience him? I haven't, I've been, this is the third week on presence, and I haven't even brought up my favorite book on practicing the presence of God. It's an ancient, it's by a mystic, Brother Lawrence, and, the, and the, that's the title, is Practicing the Presence of God. And what Brother Lawrence was arguing is he was a monk and one of his jobs was washing dis dishes. And he was saying, don't you know, I'm experiencing God's presence as I wash dishes. Isn't that awesome? That, that it's not just about all these other very profound things, but in that actual menial service, he's experienced the presence of God. And as he experienced the presence of God, he was experiencing that transformation, and then people started to come from all over the known world to Brother Lawrence, because he's a monk doing dishes, experiencing the presence of God. 
both in worship services and outside worship services, we get to experience his presence. I hope that as we begin, continue to worship together as a congregation, that we'll say it's not just about me experiencing God in these particular ways, but I want to serve. I want to sacrifice. I want to meet Jesus in every way, shape, form that I can. And I'm going to serve him in that way. All right, I want to show you a, one of my favorite clips that illustrates this point. And no, it is not from Star Wars. Sorry, sorry, come back later. I'll try and work it in a couple of weeks. But this is perhaps based on a true story, a wonderful uh, life of Eric Little, who would eventually, he would um, run in the Olympic Games. I'm forgetting the year, um, in, in the 30s, I believe, 1930s, and would eventually go on and become a missionary to China. And so he um, didn't run the race that he was best at, because it was on the Sabbath day, and he refused to run on that day. And yet he was running another race that was um, much longer. He was a sprinter. And listen to the words that he says. We have it? It says in the old book, he that honors me, I will honor. Good luck. Jackson Schultz. come from to see the race to its end from within. God made me for a purpose. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I don't know if you could hear uh, what he said, but he said, God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his, his pleasure. He could feel the, the, 
pleasure of the Father, the presence of the Father, even when he was running. Right? If Brother Lawrence can do it while doing dishes, if Eric Little can feel it while he's running, don't you think we should feel his pleasure, pleasure as we serve him? As we meet the needs, as we go to Peru and love the least of these, that we should feel and experience him in those moments where we're doing what he knit us together to do, whether it is worshiping him gathered together or whether it's meeting the needs of the world around us. All right. Turn with me to John chapter 1, and we are going to finish this uh, part presence with one of the most profound moments in human history, one of two of the most profound moments of human history, John chapter 1. There's Bibles located in front of you if you need to pull that out, and it is the famous epilogue of John where he's talking about the word of God that is was with God from the beginning. The word of God actually is God, is divine. The word is divine. And then look at verse 14 with me. And this divine word, it says, the word became flesh. So think for a moment, the presence, the power, the glory of God, all contained in the word of God, and incredibly in this moment, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. If you have a pencil and your own Bible, circle that word dwelling. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. This is the Apostle John talking about the word, the divine word that took on flesh and bone. And he says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John, the Baptist, testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace. Out of the fullness of the Father, grace stacked upon grace. Grace, grace, grace. Grace in place of grace, already given, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. What is John talking about with the word? What he's doing is he's talking about Christmas. He's talking about when the God, the Son of God, the Word of God took on incredibly physical form, flesh, fully God, 
fully man and entered into time and space. And then he says, and, and incredibly, he not only took on flesh and blood, but he dwelled among us. Translators wrestle with how to translate that word dwell because there's this rich meaning there. I, I like how Eugene Peterson puts it. The word became flesh and moved. Go to the next uh, slide there. He, Jesus, some translators have said, he pitched his tent among us. Eugene Peterson says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That, that word dwelled, the Greek word is kind of a fun Greek word to say, skinu. Look at your neighbor and go, skinu. Isn't that kind of a fun word to say, skinu? Now what that, that Greek word literally means is dwelling, he made his dwelling, he pitched his tent, or he tabernacled among us. The divine word tabernacled among us. See where we're going with this? What have we been talking about? Does that make you think about anything? We've been talking about the manifest presence of God. It was the tent of meetings, and then the tabernacle, and the temple, and then what happens? The divine word, the glory of the living God, he pitches his tent. He tabernacles. The, the glory of the living God. Remember, Moses, right after he experiences him, he says, now show me your glory, the weight of who you are. Show me your essence. Father, I want to know you and be known by you so I can please you with my ways. All of who the Father is, his, his glory, his weight, his goodness, his grace, his love, his kindness, all of who the Father is takes on human form. In fact, becomes human. And he tabernacles right there in that moment. So, so this broken world cannot just worship and be in God's presence in the temple. But he said, I'm going to do one better. I'm going to send my son and he will be my glory right there. Flesh and blood. And, and John is going to say, we touched him. We saw the glory of God. We ministered with him. He placed our hand, his hand on us. Manifest presence. Now, the awesomeness continues. And it involves you. What he says, um, look back just at verse 9 here. In John chapter 1, it says, he's talking about the divine word. And it is the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So how many have heard that Jesus is the light of the world? Just about everybody? 
Yes, if you haven't, you've been living under a rock. Jesus is the light of the world. That's why we have Christmas lights, right? That's why we have the, the uh, Christ candle. That's why we do Christmas lights on our houses. Jesus is the light of the world. What that means is the light of God's glory, right? In heaven, Jesus came in physical form. And he says, but you know what? I'm not done yet. I'm going to do two better what I'm going to do is not only am I going to bring the glory, the manifest presence of God, but then I'm going to give it to you and you are going to be the light of the world. Did you know that you are the light of the world? Not as many of us knew that. Right in the middle of Jesus' teaching, right in the middle, in fact, of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Sometimes this world can be pretty flavorless. As God's children bring some flavor. Sometimes this world can move to some rottenness as the children of God preserve what is good in this world. Your assignment. And then he says, you are the light of of the world. Wait, I thought only Jesus was the light of the world. No. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before you. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What is happening here is, is he's saying, yes, you've understood the presence and the glory of God from the Old Testament, but now I've come as the very embodiment of that and I'm sending you out to be the light of the world. Did you know that also from that story with Moses, Moses' face would literally be glowing from God's presence? It's the part of the story. Would that not be sweet to have your face like glowing from the presence of God? He'd go into the tent of meetings and literally glowing. He'd have to put a veil over because at first the Israelites were afraid and then that glory would fade away. And then Paul talks about that moment and he says, do you know you're meant to reflect the glory of God? Not as much physically, though that would be really cool and perhaps there's some times that people do that, but especially spiritually, especially in your soul, as people experience you, are they experiencing the grace, the love the kindness, the goodness of the Lord. Incredibly, Paul would say this, and we, with now unveiled faces, he says, we, don't have, we have a better covenant. We can take that veil off of our face. All reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, 
who is the Spirit. What he's saying is that you, as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, should reflect the glory, the presence of the Father. That as you gather in worship, you fill up with his presence. And then as you are sent off, as you love well others, you reflect the very character, the goodness, the kindness of the Lord. I had a profound picture of this, of a Christian shining their light into a broken world. We had a, a funeral here uh, this past week. Uh, some of you might have seen it. The, it was a, a fireman's funeral, a firewoman's funeral. And uh, they, had, they brought in the trucks and they had the biggest uh, flag, American flag, in our parking lot I've ever seen waving there. And you had the uh, police department here. You had several different fire departments that were flowing in. I was praying that our, our, our parking lot would, would have enough spaces, that this little sanctuary would hold enough. It was packed almost every seat. I think every seat was. There's a few standing in the back. And it was this beautiful moment it was this sacred moment. And, um, and one of our former members, um, Kristen and Matt Love, actually Kristen is here and I didn't ask permission to share the story. I didn't think she was going to be here. We're good. We're good, Kristen. Can I share this? I'm going to brag on her husband. He, this was such a difficult circumstance. It was, it was a suicide. And when that happens, it, it, it creates a, a, real, a real struggle in, in the memorial service. There are other aspects that just made this moment difficult. And Matt, who was a fire chief for Cimarron Hills, now they've moved to Florida, he came back to preside over the whole ceremony. And what I saw in Matt, that, that he was loving each and every person that was profoundly affected, the, the family, the families of the, the firefighters. And, and you know, uh, firefighting is one of those professions that isn't known for warm and fuzzy, right? There's this, and yet each person that, that came up on the stage Matt was sharing and blessing them with the love of Christ. And I felt the entire, all the people that were gathered were being blessed by Matt's kindness, his love. Then he shared some words and it was so evident that he loved her well, the, the firefighter that was lost. He loved her well with the light of Christ while she was alive. And now, as he shared, he so thoughtfully and sensitively shared the truth of the gospel in such a way that he just ministered to the people. I was so proud of Matt. I, I just, it was this beautiful moment. And Matt's not a pastor. He's not professional, 
right? He, he's a professional firefighter. He's not a professional minister. And yet he was the light of Christ. He was the presence of Christ to, eat, to the, the, the corners of the sanctuary to the people that he was loving and hugging as they came forward. Friends, who in your life needs you to be the light of the world? Who needs you to be the presence of Christ? Who needs to feel God's love, kindness, grace, mercy through you? Maybe it's especially those people that don't know Christ, that don't get to come into the sanctuary and experience his presence, but their only experience of God will be your words, your touch, your kindness to them. I'm going to say one more word. Uh, There's another beautiful analogy that, that Scripture uses that talks about really God's presence. And it uses the analogy of a sweet perfume. Apparently, God's presence has a scent. Did you know that? That there is a smell. And you're supposed to smell like that scent. All right? What, what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, he says this, but thank God... He has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. Okay, smell your neighbor on the count of three. No, 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 I'm just kidding. It's an analogy, right? It's an analogy. But what he's saying is that as you experience Christ in these moments together, whether it's as a gathered church or it's individually, that his presence, there's this aroma. I, I've heard stories of people experience this sweet aroma as they enter a, a worship time. It, it, it's the smell of Christ in this way. But what Paul is saying is that I, I'm calling you to be filled with, my, with Christ's presence, to be filled in that way, to really, and then you go in the world and there's some bad smells in the world. And you need to overcome those bad smells with the scent, the aroma of Christ's presence. Real quickly, two smells I want you to think about. One, I was heading up to a retreat. It was a week long. It was Upper Peninsula in Michigan. And on the way, I drove with my friend, 80. We did the retreat, awesome retreat. We're driving back, and he's like, my car smells. And I'm like, well, it does, 80, but that's not really on me. And that, oh, I, I remembered I had placed my sandwich underneath my seat <laughs> on the way up, and it smelled bad. So 
Yes, bad smell. Don't be a rotten sandwich to the world. <laughs> Do you like that one? Yes. Here's the second scent I want you to think of. Sometimes as a congregation, we anoint with oil. And this oil, sometimes you can have a scented oil. And this one happens to be, I don't know if the others are not, but this one happens to be a scent that you can actually, you can smell it. And what I'd like to do this morning as a, a symbol, there, there's, there's nothing magical about oil. Remember, symbols point us in the direction of a spiritual reality. Physical symbols, symbols point us in the direction of a spiritual reality. And then sacraments invite us to partake in that reality. And I'm wondering if we would be able, if we would be willing to be anointed by our elders and our, our prayer team as a symbol of, of remembering and that they would, they would pray a blessing upon you, just a simple blessing. It might be, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. It might be, you are the light of God's glory in the world. It might be, you are the presence of the living God. Just as Jesus moved into the neighborhood, so would you move into the neighborhood of your friends and family and physical neighbors and be the presence. I'd like to invite the elders and the prayer team forward. We're going to do it a little bit like communion. With communion, we have four stations, and each section leaves their section to their right, and they take communion and then they return back to their seats. What I thought I would ask us to do is that if we would do that, like communion, but if you don't feel comfortable, that's, that's okay. You don't need to come. No one will judge you at all, all right? If you're not comfortable, perhaps if this is your first time, that's okay. F please feel free to remain in your seats and simply worship. However, I'd like to challenge you a little bit that would you come forward and say, I, I long to be, I don't want to just fill up with the presence of God, but I want to be the presence of God to this lost and broken world. I want to be the scent of Christ, the aroma of Christ. I want to bring his goodness and grace and mercy to those especially who desperately need it we have a camp that's going on this week it's Eagle Lakes and we have some of the leaders that are going to do there I'm going to ask you guys to come first in that moment and then after the Eagle Lake come and we anoint them then I want to invite you all if you feel comfortable would you come and receive the blessing and the anointing and be sent out in the name of Christ Let's pray. So Jesus, we want to be your aroma, your sweet perfume, 
your light. We want to be your presence in this broken world. Holy Spirit, would you anoint us us for that profound task? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.